Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we are speaking with Carrie Cook. Hey, Carrie, how are you? Hi, good. How are you? I am very, very well. I'm excited to talk to you today, Carrie. Uh, hopefully, you'll tell us how to navigate the world of alternative investments. Uh, Carrie is the president of Ignite Funding. She's also the CEO of Preferred Trust. And we'll talk about kind of what the specific businesses do. But Carrie is a guru in the world of alternative investments. And we'll talk to her about kind of how she's evolved her businesses going forward in that space. Before we get there, though, Carrie, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. Well, my career has been a little bit crazy um, and a little all over the board. But I will say that um, I think I found my calling in 2006, when I came on board uh, with Ignite Funding, and uh, really, gosh, how do you how do you not say you fall in love with real estate? Um, real estate has been a, a staple uh, in my life, and mm-hmm. I have learned to to navigate that and make money personally doing it. And so, to be given an opportunity to um, eventually run the company and kind of know all aspects from A to Z as it pertains to real estate investing has, has truly been an honor um, to be able to do that. I have enjoyed it very much. Um, been doing that for about, oh gosh, I'm going to age myself here, a long time. Let's call it a long, long time. Um, learned a lot. You know, besides the pandemic, I've also been through 2008. So I know what it's like to take back about a half a million dollars worth of property um, in a in a down market. So I have some pretty pretty thick skin. So the pandemic was easily navigatable by me. So I mean, it's definitely easy to fall in love with property, and certainly I can see you've been able to evolve an amazing career from that. Tell me more though, Carrie. You moved up in the business that you joined early on and you've started other things. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now. Working on a lot of different things. Um, So running two businesses keeps you quite busy. (laughs) From the preferred trust perspective, you know, we're a self-directed custodian and I'm always looking for ways to offer individuals an opportunity to invest in alternative investments. Um, And when I say alternative investments, you know, there's only three things that the IRS doesn't allow you to invest in. Um, And I jokingly say this because one of them is collectibles or, yeah, I'll give you an example. It's like wine. You know, I can't prove that you're not drinking it. Um, So collectibles are not allowed. Um, Also, life insurance policies are not allowed and investing in C or uh, S corporations are not allowed. So Mm -hmm. those are the only three things that aren't allowed. Everything else is. So you really have to have an open mind to um, investing in alternatives. But not just investing in alternatives, but understanding the alternative investments. Right. So you can't say that you offer digital currency as an alternative investment. You actually have to know how to custody uh, digital currency. 
Um, and the different ways that we choose to do that are, uh, let's just say, um, are not the easy way out. <laughs> we choose to do cold storage of digital currency, uh, which is very different than what everybody else is doing. But I am risk averse personally uh, mm -hmm. with my own finances. So I also take other people's retirement accounts very seriously. So putting them on an exchange platform to potentially be hacked is mm -hmm. not something I'm personally interested in. So I strive to achieve, um, you know, maybe it's a little bit harder to do. Um, maybe it costs a little bit more, but it's worth it for us to be able to protect our retirement. So I am focused on, um, on the preferred trust side of things, the alternative investments that other people um, in our industry and in our competitors are not willing to, to take that extra mile um, to do, you know, it's easy to just flip on a, a platform. I don't want well, to do let's that. go a little bit deeper into the two businesses. So Ignite Funding, I mean, tell me a little bit about what's specifically on the horizon right now for Ignite. Ignite Funding, um, obviously what's going on with the market, rep repositioning our portfolio is very important for us. Um, because we are nimble and our investments only last about 10 months, um, mm -hmm. it gives an opportunity to move with the market. So again, things that I've learned in my past is uh, diversification, obviously, but being ready for what's coming down the pipeline. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I have to have a crystal ball. Um, when you manage as much money as I do, people expect me to have a crystal ball. So as I look into my crystal ball, I'm moving away from things that are being affected by the increased interest rates. Right, right. And would you say the same is true for preferred trust? Or are there other things that are really kind of top of mind there? Preferred trust is really recession proof. I hate to say that with any company. That's nice. That's good. But when it comes to an individual's IRA, you know, they tend to just set it and forget it. I hate to say that, but but it's what we do. Um, I'd be lucky if, if any of my clients actually open their statements, right? Yeah. Um, or, or even look online. You know, many times we'll have, you know, 50% or greater of our clients that don't even log in online and check on their money. Mm -hmm. so, you know, it, it's interesting that that one is a set it and forget it. The only time that you see a lot of activity on the alternative side is the ups and downs, right? So right. as different currency is going down, what do you do? You buy. Um, same, same thing that, you know, you'll see in the market. So there's really not a whole lot of difference on the preferred trust side of things um, that, that we're seeing as far as, as impacts there. So, I mean, when I look into the marketplace today, Carrie, you know, over the last couple of years, real estate prices have gone bananas. Digital currencies have gone bananas. Yeah. Now we see things, uh, some things perhaps settling back to earth or taking a bit of a roller coaster ride. Walk us through the landscape and what should we be thinking about today? So yeah, the softening of a market is not a bad thing, you know, and it's something that everybody, let, let's be honest, we, we have been on an, uh, on an upward trajectory for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. So for any of us to think that there doesn't need to be um, some sort of plateau or, or softening or, um, you know, a slowdown of the market, that, that would be insane. I mean, if we could keep going in that direction, I'm sure we all would love it. But then there's reality. Um, in reality, if you look back at real estate in general, about every seven years, you see a, a, a correction. And typically when you see a correction, it's 15 to 20%. That's a, that's a solid correction to bring things back down to earth. As, right. as you, um, you know, in 08, we saw 
a very steep correction and something that, you know, I think anybody who's lived through that would say, I never want to see that again. I don't think we're going to see that again. I think we will see a correction. I think a correction is necessary. Um, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that our economy is in the position that it's in right now where that correction is coming at the cost <laughs> of the civilians, I would say, but it is, right? Ultimately, it's gonna come at the cost of us um, yeah. and us paying higher interest rates. But if you really think about it and you think about where we were in 08, where we were with interest rates in 08, um, you know, we're not even close to where we were. And so these increases that we're seeing right now is part of the stabilization. As right. much as people enjoy it, and none of us do, it is an important part of the stabilization to get us back down to reality. Yeah. And, you know, I'd just be curious because you probably saw this coming right when the pandemic hit, when we started to offer assistance and push uh, money out into the marketplace. I mean, it was only a matter of time when yeah. there would be like a day of reckoning. I imagine. I felt the it was one of those things what, that nobody wanted to think about it at that moment, but certainly anybody that understands monetary policy is that there will always, you know, when things go up, it's very rare it kind of maintains. So tell me a little bit how you've navigated the last couple of years, because what an interesting moment to be in your two businesses. And uh, what learnings do we get from that time? Wow. The pandemic at first, um, I think, was shell shock, right? Mm -hmm. um, your governor shuts down your businesses, <laughs> which is interesting, right? Um, interesting approach. I understand the safety aspect of it and the health of the employees and the importance of that. Um, so we were shut down for about six weeks. I say shut wow. down because it took me about Mm, about 12 hours to turn us on remotely. Right. Um, I am fortunate that I, with Preferred Trust, Preferred Trust is run like a bank and it's run under banking regulations. Mm -hmm. It requires you to have contingency plans. Right. And although we had never had to activate those contingency plans, we had them. So unlike others um, who weren't maybe prepared to go remote, we were. And so in about 12 hours, we were back up and running. And my motto during that time was business as usual. And my employees appreciated that because it didn't give them the time to create the fear factor. Right. So we were able to kind of overcome all of that by continuing on as business as usual. And when we went about it that way, we created a sense of security for our investors and for our clients to know that we were going to continue to be there. We as a company, both of our companies actually flourished during that period of time. Wow. Let me tell you why. Two reasons. One is banks uh, in general, I think the fear factor was way more than they could handle. I think they saw down the lens of 2008 and they right. thought, holy Toledo, we better pull back the reins here. So what did they do? They stopped the credit lines that, that our borrowers had, our borrowers and their borrowers. Our borrowers are bankable, so they work with the banks. Mm -hmm. Well, as banks were cutting them off, we were giving them financing. So yet again, here we are, the white knights coming in, saving <laughs> these borrowers from the banks shutting down their operation during the pandemic. Wow. I think realizes there's a lot of businesses that didn't close during the pandemic and were fortunate enough to continue on. 
Look at what was going on with real estate. It was booming. It was going gangbusters. Yeah. Only way it can continue that way is with lending. It takes money. And we were there for them. From the preferred trust perspective, everybody was market shocked, right? They're like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, what's going to happen with the market? So they pulled money out of the market and they were looking for alternative options. They were looking for places um, to, to capitalize and to collateralize their investments. And so preferred trust flourished during that time as well, primarily with people investing in precious metals. Because oh, wow. That collateral to hold on to just in case as they're seeing the government just funnel out all of this money thinking, wow, how much longer can we handle you know, those kinds of pressures, let us get our cash into something that is um, collateralized by, you know, a hard asset. So real estate, precious metals went gangbusters during, (laughs) and so did our businesses. Yeah, it was fascinating. I mean, the, the, just on the Ignite side, that the real estate growth and really also the, the interesting challenges that now are presenting themselves in that space is unbelievable. You know, I'm based in Miami and I would say that, you know, a lot of people that I know saw the value of their homes double <laughs> overnight as people flooded to the Miami-Dade area from all over the country. And um, now the question is, what happens? You know, who knows? Who knows? You know, I suppose, you know, whenever you have a boom, there may be a little bit of a a slowdown, but it's hard to tell, you know, because I think that getting raw materials in the supply chain was so abbreviated and slowed down that building slowed down dramatically, right? I mean, and there's so much need for more uh, really home space. I would say perhaps on the commercial market, it might be a little bit slower, right? Yeah, yes and no, right? Okay. I would say to you from the real estate perspective, when you have that huge uptick of growth, um, it has to be supported by the commercial side. So if you build 8,000 houses and you don't have a laundromat and a gas station and a grocery store, what, you know, you're going to have mad chaos. <laughs> so I would tell you that actually Good point. Good point. is now that real estate has creeped up as far as it has, the commercial side is lacking. And so we're seeing that a lot of our lending and my repositioning of our portfolio actually is on the commercial side of things to backfill all of the needs now that are there because commercials usually the last thing to come in when you build a master plan community, right? Yeah. They leave those parcels out and wait until all the houses are built so that they have their consumers. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. I uh, always kind of undercut that because I think about the commercial space heavily focused around just kind of office space. But if you really think about that support commercial area, not only for offices, but also for families and households, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's such an opportunity. What a a great opportunity. Maybe I need to make an alternative investment, Carrie. (laughs) So tell me, you know, if you'd asked me at the end of 2021, I would have been a horrible Nostradamus because I would have told you that 2022 was going to be an exciting year full of lots of growth and we were all going to be super happy, but it's been quite a fascinating year. Um, Tell me a little bit about what the back half of 2022 looks like for you. 
You know, the back half of 2022, we are, you know, from the hard money lender perspective and Ignite funding, um, you know, as interest rates go up, I haven't changed my interest rates for 10 years. And, you know, some people will say to me, well, Carrie, you're definitely going to have to increase your interest rates. My response to that is why? Um, I don't think right now is the time to do that. We're not in the business of of gouging. You know, we're Mm -hmm. in the business of sustainable investments. Mm -hmm. Um, And in order to do that, we need to make sure that our borrowers are uh, capable of paying their bills, right? They've got a lot of other things that are going on right now um, and pressures that are going on right now. So I believe on the Ignite funding side, we will sustain uh, where we are with our interest rates for our borrowers, which obviously their gap is is going to close, uh, but that's okay. You know, that that's not a problem for me. We are going to move out of the, you know, um, the entry-level home buyer, because those are the ones that are going to be affected the most, right? That extra couple hundred dollars a month is a make or break situation. Um, we do believe that banks are also going to tighten a little bit more uh, <laughs> on their, their lending um, of those, you know, we'll call them borderline borrowers. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're definitely going to see some tightening there, but that's okay because a year and a half ago, I started uh, adjusting and modifying our portfolio over to move away from the entry-level homes. We knew interest rates were going to go up. So, you know, we have put our positioned ourselves very well um, with the, the high-end market, the high-end buyers, and also on the commercial side and the repositioning of commercial properties into apartments. Um yeah townhomes, things that will still be affordable as we kind of see this uptick happen with the interest rates. So from the Ignite funding perspective, you know, I, I really, I really think we have a strong positioning there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we start to see some of our, our competitors, our competitors are more of the crowdfunding world. When we start to see that, um, and we saw some of it during the pandemic with the default rates increasing there. Right. I didn't default during the entire pandemic. Because my relationships are built a little bit differently. Um, I didn't have one interest payment missed. And I have commercial lenders. Think about this for just right. a second. Commercial properties. But our, our commercial that we're looking at have, you know, credit worthy tenants. <laughs> so when you're looking at credit, credit worthy tenants, they don't, they don't walk away, right? Because we have personal guarantees against it. So they're not going to walk away from these properties. So that from the Ignite funding perspective, I still continue to see a ramp up. Um, I still continue to see borrowing um, be a strong facet as banks try to figure out what they're going to do um, mm-hmm. at, in that arena, especially given the inflation that we're seeing. Um, you know, people are, are having a harder time paying bills. Let's be yeah. honest. Um, so uh, do we expect to see some foreclosures happen? Yeah, we, we, we definitely do. Um, and that's, that's okay. You know, again, it's not bad for markets to see those types of cycles. Those types of cycles are healthy for us. Um, yeah. I mean, someone was telling me that, you know, our unemployment rates have been so low for so long that in fact, actually, if they do go back up in some ways, they're going to go just back up to normal levels ultimately. <clears throat> exactly. You're 100% correct there. Yeah. I think we're just you know, we're, we're either too low or the pandemic has put everybody into a tizzy where they've started their small businesses. Mm-hmm. And those small businesses during inflationary times, they tend to struggle a lot, right? right? So you're going to see some of those small businesses work their way back out, <coughs> excuse me, 
And um, you're going to start to see some of those people come back to the workforce. Yeah. Carrie, this has been amazing. It's been really great to talk to you. If someone wanted to speak with you to learn more about Ignite Funding or Preferred Trust, where's the best place to reach you? Probably the best place is online. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the easiest way to get a hold of everybody. Um, so www.ignitefunding.com and www.preferredtrustcompany.com. We have a lot of information. I am known to be one of the most transparent in the industry. So you will find everything about both of our companies on our website, anything you'd want to know, as well as an easy way to get a hold of us. Um, you know, I, I would give you my personal phone number, but here's the reality. <laughs> I have two companies to run, but if you ever want to reach out to me, you certainly can. I'm always here, open door policy. Um, stop by or call anytime. Absolutely. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for going through all of this with us today. We've been speaking with Carrie Cook. She holds two executive level roles consecutively as the president of Ignite Funding and the CEO of the Preferred Trust Company. She has over 17 years experience specializing in private lending and is a licensed mortgage broker. It's incredible to talk to you, Carrie. I feel a little bit more confident actually after listening to you talk today, and I'm excited to explore alternative investments. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Cheers.